0: Hey guys, if you really enjoyed this episode, please support our podcast by going to slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. Hey guys, before we start tonight's episode, give me about 30 seconds to tell you about the new project we got going on here at the Talko Cast Network, AKA Nicole's Spare Bedroom. One of our Talko Supremos, Will, Dr. Will, that is, has approached me with a great idea for a new podcast. His idea is to talk about all the craziness from our medical past. For instance, ladies, did you know the vibrator was actually a cure for women's hysteria? So type in quackery on whatever podcasting app you use and subscribe today and help us build a great podcast. Hey guys, we made it to 2020. Happy New Year's, y'all. So, where are we going and who we killing tonight? Well, I thought we could start off the new year with a little bit of the Dark Lord himself. So in this episode, I will talk about both the mysterious and fascinating death of a 16-year-old genius and dungeon master, and I'm also going to combine the story with the 80s American hysteria known as the Satanic Panic. This topic is one that I find super fascinating, so please stay tuned for more episodes related to this crazy time of paranoia in our history. So, it's going to be a wild, wild ride, so buckle up and let the festivities begin.
1: I literally, I don't even have any words to describe how happy I am to be back in this house, in this studio right now. And and not at the airport. And not at the
2: airport. Well, cheers to you being back. Let's <sighs> take a sip of this cocktail cheers. before we
1: get into it. It's not bad. I don't hate it.
0: It's not good. I don't good. love it,
1: but I don't yeah. hate it. Well, I do have to say, while it was gone, I definitely got... A really bad case of FOMO, and I was really jealous because you guys sound really good on the podcast by FOMO. yourself. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You never heard of FOMO before? No. You know, I like, YOLO, FOMO. FOMO. I was literally depressed, and I didn't tell you guys because I didn't want Aww. you to feel bad. Welcome to our newest Taco Supremo. Brittany.
2: Brittany, Brittany B. Brittany B.
0: B. Brittany B
2: is, like, insta-famous, so I feel super cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Can I, you show us how to be insta-famous, Brittany? That'd be cool. We yeah. need we need some help in that department.
0: Yeah, we can buy followers.
2: But we don't do such things.
0: Yeah, they're too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Just
2: like us, please like us. We do have some cool drawings. If you are our six hundred and sixty sixth follower on um, Instagram, holy and shit! Twitter, how many do we got? We have about almost six hundred on Instagram. Nuh-uh. oh
0: my god, really?
2: How did that happen? Well, we've made some strides. We went from. 330 likes on Facebook in September to now we're like just shy of 900. I was hoping to get to a thousand by the end of the year, but that's okay. We're (sighs) close. That was close. So, what? So, we're drinking. Something, some sort of potion. Abby had posted it. Yeah,
1: I don't know how this is relevant to the hint because John was like, the hints are posted on Facebook. There were like six hints in there. But what we're drinking is some sort of potion
2: um, that ha- Abby had suggested, and it is one part vodka, one part coconut rum, and one part melon liqueur. And it's not bad. It's not, I mean, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it.
0: Big shout out to all of our Talk of on the um, Facebook group. You guys have been really sharing some good stuff. And also, big shout out to Savannah. She is um, taking care of our Twitter page since no one here knows Thank how to God. do it. She yeah. is? Oh, I don't I think, even know Savannah. how to spell it. I don't even know the... I don't y'all know don't even the know the, log the login. No, I
2: don't. I just know our Instagram <laughs> is linked to it. I, I, we've got that sort of out. And finally. I don't know the
0: login anymore because it was one of those temporary Savannah, ones.
2: Savannah, just go <laughs> so with she it. She has
1: a,
0: She's the only one that has a login.
2: Go, girl. <laughs> I feel bad. Baby she wanted to come up. to our other live shows, but she is, uh, her ego be Prego. She's doing February. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So
0: any of, uh, any you Primos out there, you know, all the live shows are free for you guys. You can show up to any one of them. hmm
2: We've got a couple, uh, reserved spots in our Columbia show for that reason. That's so true. So we... Uh, Our Columbia show is actually a little bit smaller than the ones we've had in the past. Uh, Kind of going back to Roots, it's a little bit of a smaller brewery, Swamp Cabbage Brewery, right downtown. So um, we don't have a ton of tickets left. So you definitely are going to want to pick up the tickets in advance for this show. So if you haven't, go do it. Tickets are only 20 bucks. Get after it. We're going to have a good ass time drinking <laughs> beer, doing some trivia, and we've got some really fun giveaways. <laughs> and if you share the pu- the event, you'll be entered into a drawing that you don't want to miss. We've what got is quite it? a few people. I'm not going to tell. Well, I'll tell you offline, Jen.
1: You'll wanna- probably
0: win too, because we get drunk at these events and just and let we, everybody like, win. we
1: really run our tap <laughs> up. <so.
0: laughs> Where are we going? Who are we killing?
1: Um, We're killing one person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. And I good, good guess. Thank you. I like it. I think we're staying in the United States. I'm gonna say United States.
2: That's too broad, Jen. Pick a state. I, I don't want. to pick
0: And what state. happens? I mean, you, just, you, you guys just used to guess you, really good creative things. Yeah, like, and then
1: you took the map away, like, and then <laughs> the map was helpful. Well, don't worry about where,
0: Sad. So just give me something. All right.
1: All right, do you want me to go? Uh, Someone gets really obsessed with emo music, and then they get all sad, and then they, like, kill people. Or one person. The, one person. the
0: emo is not even in that paragraph. Peric- it I, you does. Know what, whatever. It's a guess, you,
2: babe. It's just you a go guess.
0: Ahead. <laughs> that has nothing to do with Satan. Go ahead. That's
2: right. not true. So I think we're going to Illinois tonight in 1994. And I think, does Illinois have cornfields? Um, I think you're thinking of Iowa. All right, close enough. We're going in that general vicinity. The Midwest. But I'll say I'll stick with Illinois. They were going to Illinois, and I think I think this is coming in my mind because of um what was that movie with Charlie's there on dark places? Remember that one? No. It was it had touched on a little bit of the satanic panic and the brother is accused of killing his whole family. Uh it was really good. Oh, huh. um
0: what is a satanic panic?
2: I think it was like, it was about
1: teenagers listening to like
2: sc- uh, music.
1: I thought it was about horror movies in the 80s. People were like worried why people were so obsessed with horror movies and Satan.
2: Maybe. I thought it was like kids doing like blah music and
1: metal. Yeah.
2: So I think it has to do with somebody that's like, you know, wearing pentagrams and black nail polish and they go Goth. kill somebody. Yeah.
0: All right, read some of these from our members.
2: All right, Sarah. Oh, well, she seconds what Abby says. So what did Abby say? Dungeons and dragons in the catacombs of Paris. Ooh, Ooh. I've been to the catacombs. It is really fucking creepy. I have not, but it's not somewhere I want to go. Savannah says James Egbert. I don't know who that is. Nope. Sarah says, I second Abby's D&D guest, but I think I know this story. Are we going to university? I forget which one. I don't want to cheat. John tells her she's on the right track. Um, so Sarah says, either Michigan or Minnesota, something with an M. It's on the tip of my tongue and I'm dying to remember.
1: Speaking of the catacombs, so when I was gone, we my family went to an escape room. The theme was like this, like, Daughter who died and the old aunt also died and, like, left you an inheritance. Anyway, it was oh. really effing creepy. And we all know I don't fuck with ghosts. And at, like, a couple points, there was, like, loud noises and bangs. And it was not a fun time to be had. I all. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about doing an escape room. But, but no, I, I, it was fun. It was fun. It was challenging. But the theme was not something I liked. Oh. If it was a different theme, then I would probably be down with it. But I didn't like the spooky stuff. Oh,
0: so tonight's surprise shot is awarded to Miss Savannah, followed by Sarah. hey And we'll dedicate a little bit of it to you, Sarah. Not all of it. That goes to Savannah because she actually guessed it right. But um, some knows honorable- She so
2: much about yeah, freaking <laughs> know, true it's crime.
0: Uh, some honorable mentions, um, Abby and, of course, Mr. Wayne and Lauren, too.
1: Well, thanks, guys, for guessing.
0: Yeah. So awesome job, Savannah.
1: <laughs> surprise shots! Surprise shots. We don't know what they are, cause they're a surprise. <laughs> wow, that felt really good. I missed my bongos.
2: I know we couldn't we couldn't do the surprise shot song without without you. I thought about it and I was like, no, I just can't.
1: If you did, I probably would never have come back home.
2: Oh,
0: Oh cucumber Oh that wasn't bad
2: I
1: liked that I didn't like that Oh that was good That was refreshing No I didn't like that I did I think that was one of my 12 shots of Christmas that didn't make it onto the show No I bought it today but good to know
2: we have some
0: Hmm. Alright well let's get started with tonight's episode Nicole you were pretty close Jen I don't even think you guessed
1: I said the United States so I win (gasps) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I usually cut yours anyway so. yeah I know like
1: literally you're like hey guys where are we going and who are we killing and then Nicole answers and then it's just like nothing from me
0: <laughs> I've been doing that which on is, purpose I know which why? is why when you guys recorded I, I was really
1: sad I'm like maybe they really are trying to cut me out what do you mean Were none you, of my content had, gets in Jen,
0: enough of your content gets in a lot of you you talk more than her
2: true if I didn't read I wouldn't say much <laughs> that's why recording without you was so painful cause John I had no one to like banter with cause whenever I would say something funny John would be like huh yeah you didn't <laughs> want
0: to be on that story anyway that was a really rough and
2: then one. he would just move on and I'd be like
0: did you even okay. listen to
1: it? <laughs> I listened to part of it
0: <laughs> alright tonight we're going to August 15th 1979 and you guys weren't born
2: correct neither were you though sir no
0: I was a thought.
1: That is two days and... Uh, were you, though? I think you 13, were a thought, like, not to have two, them. Two, that is two days shy of 12 years before I was born.
0: This is going to be a really interesting and challenging story for me to put together because I'm kind of bridging two different... I'm bridging a story and a topic together, and hopefully they meld pretty good so we are going to 1979 which was about the start of the satanic panic and i've been very interested in this era and probably most of you guys weren't even born i wasn't either even though i i lived through it because i mean if you're talking about like late 70s to the late 80s so i was alive but i was only a toddler so or i was only a child so i don't even remember it all right, so there's three different aspects of the satanic panic. And here's what I'm doing with this story. So I'm I'm starting the satanic panic. It's gonna be multiple stories that I'm gonna do, not all back to back, but every once in a while. But this is a really good starting place. Ooh. We're gonna be starting with Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Oh, like Stranger Things. Like yes!
0: Stranger Things, yeah. Did you
1: finish watching that show, Jen? No. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's on my list, but when I have to finish The Crown and Marvelous Mrs. And Maisel, and we have to watch You Too. Did you start Vaughn, watching that without me? I did start. I thought could have sw- I thought you were going to watch it without no, me. No, I wasn't watching it. I was like Nicole's probably going to watch it without me, but I'm waiting for her cuz I don't want to be the it. one to watch okay, it Okay,
0: we're doing it. a podcast here. Yeah. yeah. Did you
1: watch Don't fuck with cats? I watched we're, five minutes, and I was like, I shouldn't be watching this. we doing a podcast. Did you watch Don't Puppet Cats? I did, because John didn't want to watch it. We're doing
0: a podcast here. We're
1: talking about podcast stuff.
0: Okay, so, seeing now I was— Did you watch all I, of you? Jen. No. Well, there's a few episodes I'm going to do. I'm not going to do them all back-to-back, but I'm going to integrate the satanic panic into all these stories. Now, there's basically three points that I found that really started the satanic panic. Number one is rock music. Okay. <laughs> You know, you got Slayer and Ozzy Osbourne. That was really rough to listen to. I'm sorry. All rough. the music I listen to now, you know. Well,
2: when you play it on the guitar, <laughs> I hate it. So I love much. it. How will it get scared when you play those? Yeah, songs? But the some of
1: it. The, I can listen to that. The next that was Ozzy. The
0: next kind of yeah, jumping point terrible. is uh, sure. the media. So you got your movies and you got your harback novels which i was very interested in and i actually interviewed one of my favorite authors who is going to be on tonight's episode cool his name is grady hendrix
1: oh he wrote the book he lives in charleston right yeah he
0: lives in charleston he wrote or paper- he's from charleston he he's from that, right? charleston he yeah he lives in california he's two- oh. cool he works or he wrote paperbacks from hell it's a fantastic book. I, remember,
1: I like looking through it at the pictures. So anyway, he wrote
0: this book, and he's, he's a, in my opinion, an expert on the satanic panic. He lived through it, and he, he was very interested in it. You can tell, and he knows all about it. So basically how he was describing it is when the, the paperbacks were... At one point, if you went to CVS or Walgreens, any drugstore, they were romance novels. You would see them everywhere. But around the 80s, that all changed and was replaced by Satan and all kinds of satanic novels. And Satan was a huge, huge thing. I was born in 86, so I guess right in the middle of it. But honestly, I don't remember a lot of the whole satanic panic thing. I guess I was just
3: right at the edge of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was really, although a lot of that started in the early 80s, I would say it really hit its stride, late 80s and early 90s. Um, because it also, gosh, probably mid-80s was when there was a, a real crossover, sort of a perfect Venn diagram overlap between satanic panic stuff, um, anti-communist stuff, and also, uh, which was coming out of a lot of movies and things like Invasion USA and all that, and mm-hmm. Red Dawn and eighty four. I,
0: well, I, I always remember growing up, my dad had a, a shirt that says "Kill a Commie for Mommy."
2: Yeah,
0: I'll never <laughs> that forget was a that big shirt. Slogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: There's a lot. It, like eighties culture yeah. is very eighties. Yeah. So,
0: commu- anti-communism, anti-drugs, and then Satan was. Yeah. Which is why I love the 80s. Like a
2: trifecta.
3: And then also um, just say no to drugs and sort of drug hysteria. And I remember going to the um, the Coastal Carolina Fair and I hated the freak exhibits. They always kind of grossed me out. But I'd always sort of look and see what was there and like what the tents were. And um, one of those years, I think it must have been 89, maybe, maybe 90, they had Billy the addict. And it was this uh, a real live drug addict <laughs> so in a cage, up. and <laughs> oh my god, uh, that's know,
1: terrible! They had
3: a huge <laughs> sign on the side and painted canvases like he has been addicted to you know glue <laughs> sniffing, heroin, PCP, oh and then you'd like god. pay. I think it was like four <laughs> tickets, and you'd go in, and you're in this room with this cage with straw on the bottom, and this like <laughs> pale looking kid, and like a members only. Uh, Jet windbreaker, sort of sitting there with an IV tape to his arm, and you kind of stared at him for a minute, and then How left is the tent. <laughs> uh...
0: You got the horror movies, you got rock music, and you also have game, Dungeons and Dragons. That's about those are the jumping points that I found mm-hmm. when I was doing my Satanic Panic research. And this story that we're going to talk about tonight isn't really your typical murder story. But someone does die, so don't don't worry about
1: it. But oh, I not worry <laughs> I think the, with the content of our podcast, we would be concerned if we had told a story where no one died. But because then it's one of us. This story I'm going to tell you tonight, it's
0: the reason why. You think Dungeons and Dragons are bad, right? You, your parents was... said don't play Dungeons and Dragons because it's a devil. So
2: I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't think Dungeons and Dragons was necessarily bad. I just thought it was the
1: epitome of like nerd. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, um kind of like connotation. Yeah. yeah, that's just that's the kind of. But your dad never said like don't play that is bad. No. First of all, I guess I was no too one be playing no sports one in, in Barbie You guys like, are too on. young, man. Like I'm listening to Spice Girls. So. No
0: yeah. one even played Dungeons and Dragons. No,
1: anyway, it really missed us. It the it
0: Dungeons and Dragons was huge right before the story. But this story, and when the book came out about this particular story, I'm talking about right now, this story made it where it was basically condemned by the church. And it was marked as Satan. All the newspapers I saw had Dungeons and Dragons with a ghoul and Satan and pentagrams and all kinds of shit, which is not even the purpose of the game.
3: Dungeons and Dragons has been called the most effective introduction to the occult in the history of man. It is a fantasy role-playing game that teaches demonology, witchcraft. I've never played it. Per yeah, se? I thought it
0: was about like wizards and stuff. Well, yeah. I never played it per se, but I did watch some people playing it on YouTube, and I can kind of <laughs> tell you what I'm it's about. I'm sure
2: that was <laughs> That's kind of like how... <laughs> okay,
0: I so... actually really want to play it. It seems right. really well, interesting.
2: You know, my she, friend, don't you like my make up friend...
1: your stories or something?
0: No, let me let me explain it.
1: You guys know my friend Rob that lives on No, we don't know yes. Rob. No yes, one knows Rob. Know Rob.
0: Let me kind of explain how Dungeons & Dragons work before we get into the story, because it's very Dungeons & Dragons heavy. Okay. So you have first a dungeon master. Okay. Now he is the guy that creates the entire experience in his mind. So all right, let's say you, let's say you're a wizard, Nicole, and you're a an elf <laughs> or a warlock or some shit. I don't know. I would well
1: witch, <laughs> a witch. number one. Well, I'll go with elf because witch, that's like absolutely opposite or something
0: of- that rhymes with it. <laughs>
1: Shit. <laughs> I'll give you something that rhymes with it.
0: You're flipping her off too.
1: Sorry, Nicole. Okay. Was Nicole, you're it. an
0: elf and you're a warlock.
1: Witch. No.
0: <laughs> you're a witch and you're a She's a witch. <laughs> okay. So basically I'm the Fairna. dungeon I'm the dungeon master. So we're not using a board and different little characters. You guys know your specific characters in your mind. So you're a thief or something, or a, what were you? War.
2: Oh, an elf. You're you made, an elf! You made me an elf. So an
0: elf has or certain a certain uh, characteristics. Like an elf can like do magic spells, but not as good as a witch can. But an elf can defend himself better, but not as good as a witch or better than a witch. They have
2: each have like their own traits. exactly, Got exactly. It? And
0: you can and you roll the dice to. See if you can increase that or whatever. Now, the dungeon master actually maps out this entire world in his mind. So it's not a board game or anything. So he's but like...
2: Don't they, like, write it down in binders? I'm just going off of Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah. But
0: it's... Yeah. So I'm the dungeon master. So and I'm say, And I'll say, okay, you guys start off in this, you We're know, this tomb in okay. um, ca- <laughs> these catacombs oh, in dark. Paris. Okay. Oh. Right. Oh. And... So you're Dang. there, and then you take a left. You go down the hallway, but wait, there's these giant rats or whatever, mm. or giant,
1: like the teenage mutant ninja turtle, whatever. Sensei. Oh, I was thinking um,
2: um, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade,
0: which you haven't seen. Listen to me. Oh, okay. Okay, and then you guys, you have to choose whether to fight or run or what. So it's like an, you know what RPG is, role playing game, like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that, but it's.
1: Except when you said RPG, I was thinking like artillery. (laughs) What? Like an RPG, you know, like the thing that you have on your...
0: All right, so let's move on. So tonight's story is the reason that this game gets its horrific appeal tonight. Okay,
2: so... I wonder how it evolved from horrific to nerd.
1: Well,
0: the reason it's nerd is the reason it's a nerd game is the same reason none of us at this table can play it because we're not smart enough. Okay, so
1: Mm. I
2: resent that comment.
0: No, I'm telling you right now, Jen, you wouldn't be able to play. this. I
2: feel like I would lose attention with
0: it. So tonight we're reading a book called The Dungeon Master is by a private investigator, which is the first book I've ever read from a private investigator. And at first I was like, man, this book sucks because this guy, (laughs) this private investigator, his name is William Deere.
2: Don't listen to this, William.
0: (laughs) He thinks of himself as like a Sherlock Holmes mixed with a Rambo mixed (laughs) with like an Indiana Jones. And I was like, man, this guy is such a fraud. But then I kept reading it and I was like, man, this guy is the coolest guy ever? Which
1: is why he is a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> As just...
0: The the entire book is fantastic. Just it's really good. So it's he really, really
1: well
2: done. is Indiana Jones slash <laughs> Rambo think so.
0: slash Sherlock Holmes. I think so. So we're going to August fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine. We're going to MSU, MSU, Michigan State University, where one home six... of the
1: Spartans. Yeah,
2: Sarah was right. It did begin with an M.
0: We're going to August 15th, 1979, where one brilliant kid, genius kid, 16-year-old, is enrolled in college, and he goes missing. Ooh, 16-year-old. 16-year-old. Now, he is a genius, and I was looking up because, I mean,
1: obviously- Remember
2: that show um, on Disney Channel, Smart, Smart guy. Kid? Smart Guy. Yeah. it's kind of what it reminds me of. So I was looking Smart up the- Smart Jim, we got- Y'all, you want to go on your sorry. date
0: or not? So I was looking up to tell you guys cuz obviously I already know cuz I'm I'm obviously a genius. But the statistics about that is about 1 in a million. So one person in a million are geniuses in the United States. And Nicole, if there's 300 million people in the United States, how many is that? How many geniuses? I
2: blanked out on what percentage. 300
1: what percentage did you say? One in a million. Three hundred oh. geniuses.
0: There are about three hundred geniuses in the United States. That's one out of a million. Okay. Now, what I mean by genius is not just really smart, but they're they're like Einstein capacity. Basically, they just fly through school. They never study.
1: Is there an IQ threshold?
0: I mean, I, I guess there's an IQ threshold. Like I've never had an IQ test, so I'm just
1: curious. Was this guy a savant or a genius? I, don't I guess know. genius.
0: This detective, this private investigator, William Deer, he gets a phone call from the parents. Now, this kid is living in the dorm rooms at MSU and he goes missing. Hmm. For a few days, he doesn't call the parents or whatever. It was right before exams, and a college kid, you know, just booking it before exams. That's normal. But a genius who doesn't even study and would just pass it would fly would pass it with flying colors anyway. There's no really incentive for him to leave. Right. Okay. His dorm room, I'm going to try to paint a picture of it because there was no actual pictures of the dorm room, but you walk into this little dorm room. It's probably like twice as small as this room we're in right now, the studio and everything is crisp, clean, put in order and everything very silent and very eerie. Okay. Okay.
1: So nothing that I would be living in.
0: Oh, fuck no. Yeah, your room. Hell no. Yeah, your room is awful. Go ahead and read this, Nicole. This is from the book.
2: Dallas was clever. I remembered a fact about him. When computers broke down at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Dallas, then age 12, was called out to repair them. Damn, yeah, he's smart if he's fixing Air Force Base computers. At 12...
0: So let me tell you a little bit about Dallas, too. Um, at age 13, he graduated high school. You know, I'm also in that category. Oh, graduated, not got expelled from. Okay, never mind. Uh, he placed second in Ohio, in the Ohio math competition. Oh,
2: I thought you were going to say geography, B. I was like, <laughs> God damn it.
1: He plays asshole. <laughs> he plays second in the he geography. He one-upped beer. me.
0: Oh, shit. Nicole is our third place geography B winner. He was a member of the National Honor Society and he I was me was in... too.
1: Me too. I was too.
0: All right. Well I'm taking that out. He was also in the honors college. He's
1: gonna take out where I say that I was, but he'll leave him where <laughs> you
0: were. <laughs> we're talking about James Dallas Egbert the third, and let me show you a picture of him.
1: Name sounds familiar. Um, well, one of the supremo's guests, Egbert. Yeah, I know, but the this name is him just right sounds here. familiar.
0: Well, if you think it sounds familiar, it's also because this guy right here on the right made a movie about this story.
1: Hey, Tom Hanks. Hey. Tom Hanks.
0: There you go. No shit, really? Yeah, so the movie's called Mazes and Monsters.
1: <gasps> we got to watch this. It's about
0: this story. Yeah.
1: Robbie!
0: Robbie! 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 Robbie. Pardue. What
1: are you doing? You're going to join the great hall. You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. Maze Maze controller?
0: Yes. And I have absolute authority in this game. Game? JJ, what am I doing here? Kate, why can't I remember? Okay, he was also into Dungeons & Dragons, and he was... Very, very good at Dungeons and Dragons. This is his character. He liked to be the magic user.
1: Karen had told me that ca- the ca-
0: <laughs> magic user
1: <laughs> is it magic user or magic user? What is it? Is he magic user? Like he uses magic, or he's like a magic drug user?
2: <laughs> what? Oh, I was going with magic stick for that. This is a character in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh... Oh, okay. I know, but Karen has a magic stick.
1: <sighs> And Ma- guys, can it it's like the- and hit twice.
2: Okay, guys. So there's this license plate on this car in our neighborhood. Oh, yeah.
0: Magic stick. And the
2: way it's spelled, I've seen that. I've seen it, that one. Is it majestic? It's
0: supposed to be majestic. Or is it
2: magic stick? <laughs> but
0: it looks like magic stick. <laughs>
2: Uh, Karen had told me that the character Dallas most liked to play was the magic user. This was the role he chose in his fantasies, the form he took to confront the countless monsters awaiting him along the path.
0: Remember, he's at a college with, you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, and he's 16-year-old, and he's tutoring everyone because everyone else is failing. And he is just not even studying, and he's passing everything. He's a genius, and he's a. I mean, he's not just really smart. Was he
2: like a cool kid though, or was he a
0: nerd? No, it's not like that. It. The more I started learning about this kid, it's it's not really that he's really smart. It's like, oh, I went to college at you know sixteen. He is known nationwide as a genius. I mean, because there's only three hundred of them, right? So they're like. Almost He's protected like by society. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're like kind of pampered through life. Does that make sense? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. As a genius. Like an
1: endangered species. Exactly.
0: Yeah. An endangered species.
2: Captain Furman Badgley of the MSU campus police later agreed with me. All his hobbies had to do with the challenges to the mind. Captain Badgley said competition for him was in his brain. Without a challenge, he got bored.
0: This episode, I really want to tell you the story of James Dallas Egbert and the Dungeons and Dragons, but I also want to bring you into the start of the Satanic Panic. So there's a few pieces of media that actually really jump, jump-started jump it. I'm putting Grady Hendrix's—he's got a really good TED Talk, and I'm putting oh. that on Talk Murder. It's fantastic. But he was telling me that there was one book— that kind of really spawned it off, and it was called Michelle Remembers. This book is insane. So this book was late 70s. It was published as a nonfiction account by a a medical doctor, Lawrence Padsder. Now, the whole book, and I'm going to read a little from his book, it was published as nonfiction. Keep that in mind. This is from 1977. This is before Satanic Panic really got going. It says... This girl, her name was Michelle Smith. She suffered from a miscarriage and sank into depression. Okay, so she began therapy with this guy that released the book, Pazder, and there's a movie about this too. And when they were talking in their private sessions, she was going through her you know, psychotherapy and stuff, she revealed some very dramatic events and I'm going to read a little bit about what she revealed. She said in 1955 when she was only 5 years old, her mother turned her over to a satanic cult that used her in a 81-day ritual known as the Feast of the Beast. Now, during and I'm reading straight from Grady Hendrix's book. During this marathon orgy, Michelle Whoa. Michelle was raped by snakes, defecated on a Bible, watched her playmates being murdered, saw a kitten crucified, had a devil tail and horns surgically grafted to her skeleton, got her teeth knocked out, and ate human flesh while being rubbed all over with dead babies.
1: That can't be real.
0: (laughs) It's not real, but Uh it's not
2: real.
1: Oh my God, I was just about to say, like, oh my God. The
0: thing is, it's not real, but- Everyone thought it was real. Uh, Everybody thought it was real. So
1: the book was a fiction novel that was written as a, guised as a nonfiction book.
0: Yes, but that's that's not really the, the main issue. The main issue was all the societal tensions going on. We just got out of the Cold War and all this heavy music and stuff, and Satan was starting to make his name, and this book really drove it home. And people believed this stuff. And a lot of the accounts that brought us into the Satanic Panic, like there's this one very, very popular event where one guy is actually still in prison. It's a daycare that was— apparently doing satanic rituals with the babies, the daycare. And it was complete bullshit. Uh, like, it's all bullshit. But the public believed it so much that they, they just went along with it. Yeah. And, for instance, at the daycare, which I'll talk about on the next episode, they were they were sacrificing sheep and goats with all these little kids. What, that but that wasn't true? No, It's not true. No, it's not true. And not only that, but the nobody decided to investigate, oh, where are all these sheep carcasses at?
3: For We Sold Our Souls, which is my heavy metal horror novel, I, I talk a lot in that show about sort of like the satanic panic and, and heavy metal. And, you know, I talk about some of these ridiculous allegations. Like there was a um, couple who ran a daycare center in Florida, and the kids were like, oh, you know, they like— um Use black magic and they like kill us and they throw us in goats. a swimming pool. Yeah, they throw us <laughs> in a swimming pool full of sharks, but then they use black magic to revive us before our parents pick <laughs> us up so they never know. And that husband and wife spent 22 years in prison before the charges were overturned. And it's like,
0: I think the, the tr- one's still it's so ridiculous. Prison. Yeah, I think it's like, one,
3: I'm still in prison. The
0: Fuster, I think his name is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Still I, yeah, in prison. Still 100%. In prison. And Janet Reno put
3: him in there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, there's a guy who was a um, district attorney in San Francisco who I think – I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he had – he put 27 people, I think, in prison for long sentences for satanic panic stuff. And, like, he was very proud of it. All of it has been overturned except one. I mean it's just like – but these people wasted years of their lives in prison – and, you know, they come out and they're like, oh, so you went to prison for molesting children. No, 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 I didn't do it. Like, you oh, know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. those lives are screwed. Yeah. Like, so it's crazy. I mean, you can't say what people did without bursting into laughter. But at the same time, it's like, holy shit. Like, There was a lot of damage from this. So yeah. it's just it's a weird Thing. Like Michelle remembers, where's
0: her tail that's surgically grafted to her skeleton? It was, they just went along with it. The public, Americans, all of us, we just went along Hysteria. with it. I mean, you had
1: me until you until you said horns and tail grafted to her skin. And I'm like, mm, but this is not real life. They just, people just bought it. And that's the thing
0: about the satanic panic. It
2: was fake news before it was fake news.
0: But it was... People bought it as a truth, and then that spawned all these paperbacks, which made things a lot worse and more interesting, in my opinion.
3: There was a real gold rush with the paperback covers for horror paperbacks to really like, it was almost an arms race, sorry, not a gold rush, an arms race to capture readers' attention. And that meant as the 80s turned into the 90s, getting grosser and gorier and more out there. And at the same time... These, it wasn't like a movie where like, you would go to a theater or a video store where you'd have to go into the rental store. These paperbacks are sold in drugstores and bus stations and train stations. So you, you would stumble across them unexpectedly, which I think people objected to. But then the other thing is you, know, you can blame the paperbacks in a way, not just paperbacks, I guess, but publishing. Because the, the thing that really kicked it all off was, I think, 19 seventy nine eighty one Michelle remembers the book uh, mm. by Michelle Smith and her therapist Lawrence Pazmer. um you know out of Vancouver saying that uh, or Victoria sorry saying that um you know the the she'd been you know taken to the Feast of the Beast and the underground tunnels by her grandparents and and Oof. that was this i mean that stuff was outrageous um you know Michelle remembers is just i mean all this stuff was just so blatantly false, but Michelle remembers it's just really egregious. I mean, you know, they grafted horns to her skull and fused the devil tail to the base of her spine made her kill her best friend, but then there's no evidence because the Archangel Michael <laughs> cured her and resurrected her best friend, but it really <laughs> did happen. Like, it's just, you know, Holy I mean, shit. Oprah had, yeah, Oprah had yeah. her on. People magazine Herado. had her on no. the cover. I no, know. no, no, no. Oprah
1: yes.
0: interviewed her? Yes, dude, this is what I'm Oprah, telling you. Oprah, up your standards, girlfriend. Heraldo. <laughs> yes, Geraldo, Oprah, they were, they were pushing
3: this stuff. and The you? whole nation thought it was true. My next guest was used also in worshiping the devil participated in human sacrifice rituals rituals and cannibalism she says her family has been involved in rituals for generations she is currently in extensive therapy suffers from multiple personality disorder meaning she's blocked out many of the terrifying and painful memories of her childhood Meet rachel who is also in disguise to protect her identity
0: that's why it's so oh hard to gosh. that's why it's so hard to so
1: wait if oprah and Heraldo are interviewing these people like what else is fake in this entire no, world it's yeah. not it's not
0: fake. I mean it is fake, but you got to remember it's like
1: Hysteria. everyone
0: in America thinks this way. They think Satan is fucking everywhere. Okay? And that's the thing. That's why Oprah interviewed all these people and <laughs> helped push it even um, more. You know. I don't know. That I'm trying to bridge that into this story because when this came out, the Satan thing was already huge. So Right. And the the driving point of this story i'm going to tell you about is not the dungeons and dragons game even though that's what america made it it's something far more um important that was never discussed and when you read this story it makes you really sad that this victim didn't actually get um the attention for for what actually mattered and it wasn't a fucking game it was something else is I'm gonna to get to later. So you that know, that they so but that they pa-
2: attributed it to being related to Dungeons yes, and Yes. In
0: every paper I looked at, Dungeons and Dragons was the main focus. It was Genius Boy, you know, Lost, Dungeons and Dragons, Devils, all this stuff. Like mm. it's not a joke. This so is it was serious. Tri- it was
1: like it was attributed mm. to the to the time period and the panic but in actuality this legit was happening and but people brushed it off because of what was going on maybe no they exacerbated it i'm gonna tell you
0: i'm gonna tell you why there's a very important part in this story that you can only find if you read the book and you get get to kind of know the characters involved but the dungeons and dragons has nothing to do with the most important part of the story but America, that's all they saw was Dungeons and Dragons in this story. That's why Dungeons, this story is why Dungeons and Dragons was villainized like it was, which made it ever more popular, by the way. But anyway, so anyway, back to the story. William Deere is hired by the parents. He goes into the dorm room. Dorm room is spotless. Okay, there is a few things that he notices. One, there's a cork board on the wall. And there's push pins in it. Now, this is Dallas's room, and it kind of looks like a map, if you want to read this, Nicole. Mm
2: -hmm. Andy Magruder, the dorm supervisor, showed us to Dallas's third-floor room. It was very small, had a double window, bunk beds, though Dallas Dallas had no roommate, a small desk with two shelves above it, 43 books on the shelves, a small refrigerator, a 12-inch Sony-colored TV, a portable stereo, two hardback chairs, a chest of drawers, and a doorless closet where clothes hung.
0: This is about the corkboard in the room.
2: Police call. The message cryptic and open-ended, but concede it could be suicidal. But now police are wondering whether the child genius left another clue to his whereabouts in a corkboard, pulled off its hooks, and left hanging and left leaning on the wall as if it should be found. Pushed to the board are 38 plastic metal tacks arranged as if they were a map. With no evidence of foul play, Sergeant William Wardwell thinks the most logical theory so far is that Egbert was trying to leave some sort of message in the map. Oh, interesting.
1: Oh! There you go.
0: So, what do we got so far? We got a a boy's empty room, very clean. That's going to be important. You have a map that is shaped like a gun. Ooh, the the oh. 38 tacks are shaped in a gun, okay. and it looks like a map, like with points, okay, Okay. that they found. Also, you have a letter, a note.
2: That they think is that suicidal. Is
0: a note that is written, and I'm going to tell you, they did a handwriting, handwriting test, and yep. it was not a match to Dallas's handwriting. But the note says Ooh. this.
1: But That's interesting, though, those other points, because usually... When someone commits suicide, they usually either start giving away stuff or they clean their area. Hmm. And the fact that the the note was like the map was in the shape of a gun, it's also very interesting, too. So I can see why maybe they thought it was uh, signs of suicide.
2: And here's what the note said to whom it may concern. Should my body be found? I wish it to be cremated. Oh, and it, that, that's fucking weird.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't written by him from what they found out. No. All right, now this is, this is a very interesting well, that's story. also fucking You guys crazy. are going to love this story. Um, Jen brought up a really good point and it, it made me want to ask this question because I'm going to read this. This is from the book. The room made me doubt my suicide theory. This is from a private investigator. My experience with suicides has been that older people have an urge to put their affairs or their living quarters in Mm -hmm. order, but that young ones do not. Everyone they've interviewed, all of Dallas's acquaintances, said he lived in a pigsty papers everywhere he was doing chemistry experiments it was a mess
1: they do say that people with a higher iq have messier like workspaces and living quarters so i mean doesn't make me feel that bad (laughs) like i'm a genius i'm not saying i'm a genius i definitely you know am not but i used to i was messier a lot when i was
2: younger
0: dallas would also have very bad seizures that he blamed on overstudying and also doing all the other students' work. This is how smart this guy is, and this is going to play in very importantly. This is from the book. Dallas had been experimenting with the extraction of pure nicotine from cigarette tobacco, a smelly, messy, and even dangerous project, and one very hard to conduct in a dormitory room. Hmm. He was extremely smart, and he was also a heavy drug user, but, and this is very important, at a genius IQ he actually made his own drugs. Whoa. Which is a very valuable asset. Whoa. For someone that is so smart. Jesse? And yeah, Jesse. <laughs> Let's cook. <laughs> yeah. This is a quote um, from one of the acquaintances about him doing drugs.
2: He talked about Dallas and drugs. There's no question that Dallas took them marijuana, cocaine, and some stuff he cooked up himself. McCroskey said that he knew where Dallas kept his drug equipment, but when we searched the room, none of it was there. No stainless steel tray, water pipes, Bunsen burner test tubes, hemostats, nothing. Where did he get the drugs? He made most of his own chemicals he took from the university lab. Some material he bought over the counter. He could actually make PCP.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah, so that's a pretty good quality to have if you want to hold someone captive and make them make meth for you or something. Does that make sense?
1: I thought you were going to say that was a pretty good quality to have if you want to have a good time and know where your stuff came from. <laughs> also that.
0: Okay, so another thing we got to get out on the table. I'm, I'm trying to put everything about his disappearance and about the character and about Dallas as I can on the table so you guys can come up with some good guesses about where the fuck Dallas is. So Dallas was also gay, and in this time... Oh. And this time, okay, being gay was still looked down on. And with the Satan thing, a lot of it was the devil the devil them. kind of stuff. That's why we're tying yeah, in with the Satanic yeah. Panic. But he was definitely homosexual, if you want to read this.
2: Riddle had talked with Karen Coleman, a 19-year-old co-ed whom Dallas called Mother. She said that Dallas had been a member of the Gay Council, an activist group on campus that had given speeches on the fruits of homosexuality in a social science course. John Miller, a gay activist, had confirmed Karen's account and had referred Riddle to a gay council member named Peggy Hogan, who supposedly had known Dallas well.
0: The cops basically were not involved in this case at all huh. okay even was though like campus
2: security but
0: it is it, this is a very a very touchy case because msu michigan state university they are supposed to be protecting a 16 year old genius attending their college he's a minor so when the parents give him off to the university they're expected for him not to be doing drugs and run around and, and being missing and going disappearing. like They they were so, solely responsible for this. So this whole case, they're trying to avoid the media persecution that they should get because they had no control over the situation at all. But these two private detectives, William Deere, which is the guy that wrote the book, and Riddle, his actual name is Dick Riddle... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the best fucking. Name. Oh,
1: that sucks, dude. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's awesome. We're sorry.
1: <laughs> you have a phone call, sir. Yes, I have. I have a dick riddle on the phone for you. <laughs> the fact that he was gay in the Midwest as a young teenager who was already a target yeah. on campus is is not helping him. I mean, I, yeah. I, it it almost reminds me of Laramie. You know the the Laramie story. The kid that was tied Um, to the tree in Laramie, Wyoming? I don't think I do. Matthew, what was his last name? I don't remember his last name, but there's a whole book on it. It actually was made into a play, The Laramie Project. But, um, yeah, it's just like he doesn't need any more targets on his back. So the fact that he was a 16-year-old at a college campus who happened to be a genius, made drugs, and was a gay man like or gay boy, depending on, you know... He was a minor, so I guess gay individual. Um, well, John. Just, a target. He was a target. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And a little bit more of his personality. He was one of the only minors at the school, and he was very socially awkward. And I should have said that earlier. But most geniuses, since there's only 300 geniuses in the world, you know, this kid was on his own planet, right? He was very socially awkward. He couldn't make friends. People mistreated him. Most of the people didn't even know he was 16 years old. Dungeons and Dragons was his way of fitting in. And even those clubs, even though he was better than them, they didn't want him at the end. They, they were just like, you know, get the fuck away from me kind of shit. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, really hard it's to explain because a... I'm not a genius. No. I mean, I'm close, but I'm not. So tell me right now, what? looking at this room, you, you know he's a drug maker. And does drugs by himself. You know, his room is spotless when it shouldn't be. You know, he's got that map that, you know, he plays Dungeons and Dragons. Like, what do you think happened as of this point?
1: Um, Someone else is involved. Okay. Or it could have been a suicide.
0: Okay. Here, read this.
1: Karen
2: remembered something else very interesting, Hawk added. I have this exact quote in my notes. Listen. Dallas also wondered what it would be like to play a sophisticated game of hide and seek with real life police trying to find him. He said he would leave clues just to give the searchers a chance, but that he could outwit them.
1: Ooh. So maybe some maybe whoever it was that you know that was involved or maybe it was a suicide still, but um must have been very close to him to to know like that. Mm. If okay. someone else is involved, they had to have been close to him, I think.
0: Before we go any further, we need to talk about the steam tunnels. I try to convey to you guys what Dungeons and Dragons how to play it and all this stuff. It's a mind thing, right? It's a mind thing. Yeah. But Use your what's uh, yeah? What's better? All right, us sitting around this table playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you turn around the the catacomb and there's a monster. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I can see it in my mind. Or actually going to a location where it's way more realistic and those are the Michigan State University steam tunnels that run from miles and miles under the campus.
1: Hmm.
0: These tunnels were built in like 1922 and they use they use them to heat up the university. Now the university says they're inaccessible and they're not they're definitely not inaccessible. The students use them even though they risk expulsion to hmm. drink And, you know, sell drugs. And there's even rapes that have occurred down there. There's drug deals. And more importantly for this story, uh, some of the Dungeons and Dragons players, including a lot of the teachers, would go there and play the game in the tunnels. Because what's more better than playing in this dark tunnel with steam? Coming out. And uh, the steam was hot. And and th- the name is Dungeons and Dragons, dragons being the most powerful creature in the game. What's more powerful than a dragon's breath? It's the same as the steam pressure valve releasing, sh- shooting at steam. I mean, think about it in beyonds, your mind. Yeah. You, you know, it it makes it more realistic.
1: My, qu- my question, which you have just answered, I was going to say, what were they even um, still active
0: Yes, yeah, they're active to this day. Here's a video right here of a oh. YouTube video of someone in the steam tunnels. That's
1: crazy, because I have a mo- like a little p- mini portable steamer to make my clothes not wrinkly in the mornings, and that shit is hot. Like, I have been burned oh. multiple times. Oh, yeah.
0: So they're you see they're kind of like oh. long and dark. Now, the thing about this is the university claims they're inaccessible, but they've had plenty of rapes and stuff occur and drug deals and all this stuff. They are accessible. In fact, I found a recent Reddit post that some guy was asking. He's a he is a student there, and the title is MSU Underground Tunnels. And it says, so I've been doing quite a bit of research into the steam tunnel system that runs underground all throughout campus. So far, I found about five different entrances, and I'm super curious if anyone has done any more exploring in these tunnels. And then people... Have commented, says, uh, one guy says, can be very dangerous to go down there, man. Obviously, there's a lot of hot steam and probable presence of asbestos. Also, heat exhaustion, exposure to radon gas, caustic chemicals, and blah. And someone says, don't forget the ghost. But, okay, here, this is the private investigator talking about the steam tunnels.
2: Almost anything, a shootout with desperate criminals, for example, or vacation in Ayatollah's Iran, seem more appetizing than the return trip to that tube. Except the alternative, which was staying where I was, I thought of crawling out backward, but quickly discarded the idea as absurd. In the end, I thought about being—I thought about being at my condominium on the beach of Florida, cool water spraying my body, damsels in bikinis cavorting on the, stand, on the sand. All right, loser. Locking out everything else, I slithered on my stomach like a snake through the that wrenched hole in the wall. Obviously, I did not find Nirvana on the other end.
0: And he did go into the tunnels a lot. One of his friends said, quote, yes, he said it made the game much more real for him, but it worried me. I remember one Sunday night late, he came back to the dorm utterly exhausted mentally and physically. He looked terrible. His clothes were a mess. He'd been playing D&D in the tunnels. Now, this is the—this is—all right, so a little more about the room. No blood was in the dorm. Okay, there was two flights of stairs— he was also a drug maker,
1: mm-hmm. a
0: cook, a cook. So let me let's talk about the possibilities before we go any further. What's the possibilities? He's a runaway. OK, it's right before the exams, but he wouldn't have no troubles with those. Yeah, he could have went down to the tunnels to committed suicide because, as you'll learn, he was suicidal in the past. OK, he could be held hostage right now by either a group in the gay community or. And being passed around for sex by a chicken hawk. It's like an older man, uh, something I've the never 80s. heard that
1: term before. <laughs> I mean, not that I would know why that term is that term, but I've never heard that before. He Same. could
0: also be held hostage because he can make drugs. And, you know, they can sell the drugs he makes. Kind of like the Breaking Bad thing. He also could have been in the tunnels because he plays Dungeons and Dragons in the tunnels. And he could have seen something that he wasn't supposed to be that he wasn't supposed to see, like a drug deal or a murder or a rape, and he could have been murdered, okay? He could also be a hostage by a rich gay man. Dallas is not only young and gay, he's also a genius. So it's like having a Picasso painting. If you're a billionaire, you have a Picasso painting, and instead of putting it in a museum where the world can see you're selfishly putting it on your wall so only you can see so you could take dallas this genius and lock him up in your house now only you can have him that's kind of how they're explaining it hmm. also my favorite theory is he could be playing a game of D D in the tunnels and he could be hurt because he does have seizures and he could be needing help right now oh
1: that's a new detail
0: if he was a runaway, he has no money. He's took. He's taking no clothes with him. All those clothes are hung up. Um, he's too young to be hired anywhere, and he looks way too young. He has no car, and the detective private investigator checked all the bus stations and the airports, even the small unknown ones. No one has seen him. Nothing. Where is this guy at? Like, what the fuck happened to this kid? He can't go anywhere. He ain't got no money to go anywhere. Is there a body? <laughs> was America just overreacting about all of this or were demons really molesting our children? (laughs) I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting.
3: No, it's actually an interesting question, right? Because it's like, did this just come up whole cloth? Like what, what was it, you know? And like, I can't figure it out. Like it seems to be this real overlap of a bunch of different trends. Um, There was this real trend coming into the early 80s of protect your children. You know, people are after your children. We used to get warned at school, be careful at Citadel Mall because they're Moonies and they'll abduct you in their vans. I don't know why they picked on Moonies, but Moonies were the thing. So that was going on. And at the same time, there was this idea that free-range parenting of the 70s and also partly of the 80s was sort of a bad idea. Like you wanted your children to achieve, so you need to be more hands-on with your kids because who knows what would happen if they're out of your sight. You know, what were they doing, playing video games and slacking off and listening to heavy metal? And then there was the whole, like, fundamentalist Christian religious right and that conservative social stuff that started in, you know, where you had people like, you know, Um, Bob Larson and stuff with their radio shows about, you know, Satan getting in everywhere and um, all this. And you had the beginning to this sort of idea that there was a war between two Americas, sort of a liberal, gay, drug-using, devil-worshipping America, and then a sort of like, you know, God-fearing, hard-working, you know, much much reviled, needlessly so, uh, uh, conservative Christian America. But there was also, you know, there was real child abuse out there also. I mean, in, in numbers that I think people are just coming to terms with in the past decade, like the prevalence and amount of child abuse and the more unthinkable thing in child abuse, which is that most sexual abuse of children comes from someone they know. So it's not some stranger in a white van. It's your brother who's their uncle who loves them, but who has a mental illness, like, or it's your husband who, you know what I mean? It's like, so I think, I think there was, I mean, like, I don't think it was demons, but I think it was, you know, I think there was child abuse and I think we just couldn't deal with it. I mean, look, if you read
0: the book, you'll get a better overview, but so we don't make this episode seven hours long. Dallas was found Okay. Now, when In they the went, they went to the tunnel and they found the place where Dallas was. To begin with, there was a blanket, which you don't take blankets down there. I mean, people just go down there to drink and party and have well, What coitus. if he was having a picnic? No, here's the thing about Dallas. He didn't have any friends. He would go down there just to be alone because no one really wanted to be around him. So, mm. he went down there to commit suicide <gasps> and he had brought some crackers and stuff down there. And he was going to kill himself in the tunnels. Oh. But they didn't actually find him in the tunnels. He actually... He was actually found in Louisiana.
2: What? what?
0: Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to make the story last an hour and a half for you guys. But basically, I'm going to break it down to you how it happened. He... Yeah, go ahead. You got a question?
1: Well, I'm just saying we don't have our map anymore, but I'm sure that I'm pretty sure that far. that is, like, north to south. Like, far north to south.
0: Here's the case in a nutshell. Dallas runs away.
1: Did he, he kill himself?
0: He didn't kill himself. He was going to kill himself in the tunnels, okay, at first. He's tried to kill himself numerous times before.
1: Mm.
0: Because the pressure from his mom... And all the pressure he's going through, being better and better and better and better, and better. You know, he was just sick of it, and no one liked the thing about it. N- so no one wanted to, to be hear. his friend. No one. Everyone oh, failed this kid. Everybody. Oh, no one really. Heart. And and to have a genius like this with such that are socially talent, awkward too. and exactly they're socially awkward. They can't get along. They can't adapt to everyone else because they're one in a million they have to be catered to a certain way they have to be grown up or they don't think like us no not only that but his friends they they weren't even friends they shunned him, even though and dungeons and dragons was the way that he can you know fit in and they still didn't want him to fit in they basically pushed him away he didn't have any friends he goes to this college at 16 he has no social life whatsoever He's gay and he's got oh. constant pressure to be the best ever. People so are just sad. using him yeah. for his, using him so they can fucking finish their calculus term papers or whatever. He's doing all the work. It's very, it's a very uh, it's heartbreaking story.
2: Heartbreaking. So
0: he goes down there to kill himself or, To at least think about his next move. And that's
2: why I think associate Dungeons and Dragons with like the nerdy
1: mm, versus
2: satanic panic. And like that, oh, it just my heart that people make fun of people for that. He did
0: leave the map there because he wanted the investigators, he wanted a hide and seek game. Like I said, and most people, you would just be like, oh, what a dick or whatever. But this kid... Like, it's very heartbreaking because this kid was failed by everybody, basically. Even his parents. His mom is the fucking worst. And you're about to see in a minute. But basically, here's what happened. He runs, he goes in the tunnel, and then the papers and the news media start going wild. And I mean, if you type in, if you go into the newspaper archives and type in his name, there are thousands of papers from all over the country. I mean, it's like the biggest case I've seen. Everywhere is like, where's Dallas genius playing, playing dragons in the tunnels is genius boy. Dead is genius boy. Did he run away? It's, It's fucking awful, you know, and he goes and he stays with this older man. That's a gay man. Okay. That one of his only contacts. And basically as things started heating up, so he's staying at his house during this, but he's all over the news and these private investigators are getting really close. They're asking really tough questions and stuff like that. And people are getting really scared. So they basically kick him out of that house. He goes to another house. Same thing. They eventually like, dude, you got to get the fuck out of here. It's too, it's you're too much. You know, the, the press is just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he gets shuffled, all the way down to Louisiana. Now, this is over a 28-day occurrence. It's awful. If you read the story, because this private investigator, I know he sounds like kind of a douchebag, but he actually went and did all the stuff, like the trestling where he lay on the track. Dallas would do that to kind of prove his manhood or whatever. And that's basically you letting a train run over you. You're on the track. It doesn't hit you. But this private investigator did all that. He did the Dungeons and Dragons. He went into the tunnels. like This was his life. He tried to become Dallas to know where he's at. He did a fantastic job. This book is excellent. But this private investigator actually finds him, tracks him all the way down to Louisiana, goes down there immediately, and here, I'll show you what he finds.
1: I mean— I might lay on the train tracks when there was not a train coming. For a hot sex. But after that, no.
0: The private investigator, Bill Deer, gets a phone call, and this is what it says
2: Mr. Deer, yes. This is Dallas. Ooh, spooky. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> Holy shit, we're in another bottle of champagne. <laughs> Just when we thought the story was over.
0: The private investigator goes down to Louisiana and he's not even sure if it's Dallas or not, but it's, it's, it's really sketchy how he, he goes into this like alleyway and this really sketchy place and he walks in the door and this is what he finds.
2: I saw Dallas immediately and I had to blink back my shock at his appearance, at his appearance. He was so small. He didn't look 16 years old. My first impression was of a child of perhaps seven. A Dallas sat on the edge of his low army cot, feet barely touching the floor, hands clasped between his legs, head so bowed that his chin was on his chest. He might have been a little boy pounded by blows on his tor- and torture, and now defeated, with no defiance or fight left in him at all, only a pitiful accepting despair. Whatever he had experienced had crushed him. Hunched over, Dallas might have been mistaken for a gnarled little old man, huddled up, huddled up, all huddled up into a small package and trembling from a cold that didn't exist. Dallas's head didn't move as I entered the room, but his eyes briefly and without real recognition flickered up to mine. There were scratches on his face, tears were tracking down his cheeks, And his crying was the worst kind. Noiseless, coming from deep within, but stifled before it became a sound. Perhaps because no sound could truly portray his misery. He emitted such an air of tragic helplessness and loneliness. It was absolutely genuine, entirely devoid of guile or play acting. I can't recall ever being so affected by the sight of another human being. So is he fucking alive?
0: Dallas is found. He returns home. Okay, now this is his reasoning for leaving.
2: I'd been planning to disappear for a long time, Mr. Dear. I thought about it for maybe nine months or more. At different times, I had different reasons. I planned just to go somewhere and kill myself. A place where no one would find me. I didn't think anyone cared, and I didn't want anyone to have to bother with burying me. No one was nice to me while I was alive, so why should I let them be nice to me when I'm dead? I even studied drug doses so I'd know what would be fatal. Getting the drugs was no problem. I didn't think dying would be too bad the way I had planned it. Like, just feeling warm and going to sleep. I even planned what I dreamed
1: about before I drifted away. Whoa, lucid dreaming suicide.
0: Okay, I'll read this one. But other times I thought it would be better to disappear and not kill myself, disappear and never to be seen again. I was being cruel at times like this, and I didn't think like the thoughts I was having, and and I didn't like the thoughts I was having. It was just revenge against my mom and dad, especially mom. I had the feeling she'd never let up on me. It would have been bearable if I thought she wanted me to improve, to do well, because it would help me. But it was to make her look good, well, if I disappeared, I felt that would really be punishment for them. They'd never be able to rest, worrying about me. And we didn't really talk about the Whoa. mother, but she was really... I Domineering?
2: Mean, Overbearing? A mom?
0: No. <laughs> Love you, mom! She was like profiting off his geniusness, you know?
2: It was, sort of. I had three things on my mind, remember? If suicide was what turned up, I'd said my goodbye. And I'd said what I wanted. To be cremated. Oh, so he did write the letter.
0: Well, hold on. Hold that thought. And you'll come back to that, but read okay. this.
2: Uh, he knew why I asked. You got a ballpoint? I slid the pen over, and on a napkin, Dallas wrote the following. With his left hand. Oh! oh. Ooh, to whom it may concern. Should my body be found, I wish it to be cremated. The handwriting was a virtual duplicate of what of that note Found in Dallas's room, the wording was a duplicate. I made a promise to myself to have a talk with my handwriting analysis people. One more thing, if I may, I continued. That corkboard was obviously left for someone to see. Right. I meant it as a combination map and suicide note. Shit. The map would show where I was if you could find me. The note, the message I intended to convey was that I was dead. Of course, if that's how it turned out i really didn't know what would happen the gun shape on the map where represented both a gun and a power plant on campus the meaning of the gun i thought was obvious as in shooting yourself suicide
0: here's what he would have to tell his mom if he was gay this is after he was found talking to if he to, was gay no that he was gay he was talking to dear
2: so how did i get all the way i don't like i don't understand how we got all the way there
0: he traveled he kept getting kicked out of houses because people didn't want him there. And he made his way all the way down to Louisiana. At one point, he was staying with like a rich gay guy and he gave him money. They gave him enough money. They, they people, These guys would kick him out, say, you got enough money to take the bus. Just get the fuck out of here because it was all over the news. And you don't want to be caught harboring this kid, which is kind of fucked up because it's not like they did anything wrong. You mm-hmm. know, they could have just easily went to the police, but they didn't.
2: I'm gay and that's the way it was, but do you think I could have, could have an honest talk with my parents about that? Well, of all these issues were going on to have, to have to be hashed out, I started imagining a conversation with Mom, where we just worked everything out, and that's where the, my nightmare began. Going over this talk with her, "Mom, I'm gay, and we're going to have to discuss the fat, fact and to learn to live with it. First, I think, Dal. You know what you are right now. If we discover that you really are gay, we can discuss it then. But I think you ought to examine everything very closely. We can help for you. People who can decide whether this is really true. It is true, mom.
0: Now, there is multiple times that he's tried suicide. Once he actually went and made his own cyanide and Mm. mixed it with root beer and it basically destroyed his intestines, but it didn't kill him. And this Oof. was another time where he qu- he tried to kill himself with Quaaludes.
2: <laughs> Whenever I think of Quaaludes, yeah,
0: Wolf of Wall Street. Yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> have you best- seen that? Oh my God, Wolf of Wall Street. She was in you forgot to put that part where you said panties. I'd brought Quaaludes down with me.
0: <laughs> Why are you doing your arms like that?
2: I'm trying to like take a breath in so I can read a whole sentence. I'm going to have to suck my stomach in a light. I'd brought quaaludes down with me more than, I'd, more than the book promise would do the job. I took them all, swallowed them with milk. I didn't want to wait one second longer. Didn't want my brain working so it could tell me I was wrong. His face contorted with pain. The memory was bad enough, but now he felt guilty too, or so I imagined.
0: All right, so what do you guys think of that? So he's alive today. The P.I., takes some home, and it was a really good friend to him. He would come over to uh, um, Deer's house, the PI's house, and they were kind of friends. Still, Dallas didn't really fit in. He said that his mom did improve, but she went back to her ways, and actually things got a lot worse. And Dallas actually quit. He, he couldn't go back to Michigan, obviously, because after this, mm-hmm. but he goes to Wright State University, and he actually drops out of that, not because of his dra- of his grades, but that, um, he wasn't, I mean, he just can't fit in with anyone. Right. Mm. In late July of that year, he actually moves into his own furnished one bedroom apartment. You know, he's living with someone and, and he's taking a job. So he's a normal guy, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, he's 17 now
2: on the morning of August 11th, 1980 seated on a couch alone in the living room of his apartment. Dallas put a, 25, uh, 25- caliber automatic pistol to his right temple and squeeze the trigger
0: a year after he goes missing he gets his own apartment and he puts a uh, 25 caliber automatic pistol to his right temple and he pulls the trigger and he's not dead he's (gasps) actually in critical condition
2: holy shit seriously does he survive it
0: this is from the Dayton Dallas News, Monday, August 25th, 1980.
2: For six days, Dallas lay in a coma. He was pronounced legally dead August 16th. Life support systems were removed from his body, and parts of his body were given to patients needing them in several hospitals.
0: So he ultimately died. And the the story of—and I know I didn't really do it a good job with this story, but—
2: You did. You did. It, it the, was good.
0: The story that everyone knows is the Dungeons and Dragons— Dungeons and Dragons did this. The Satanic Panic did this. But in reality, but in it was reality him. it's a, a mental health issue. And he wasn't getting what he needed to thrive, you know, as the person he was. And he tried multiple times. He's basically shouted out for help multiple times. And in the end, he killed himself. That's
2: so sad. And
0: so this was a suicide. And uh, what's. Was actually the the book is actually really good, and it actually ends with a poem that uh, the PI wrote to Dallas, and it Aww. and it says, um, "Here was a boy, a man, who was born and died before his time, who cared, I did, I was his friend, Aww. and that's how the book ends."
1: oh that's so
2: sad and that's why that mental really health sad. is so
0: important and i wanted to do this story too because there's a lot of suicides lately and yeah. the 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 story isn't dungeons and dragons i mean it is he was playing it but that has nothing to do with it
2: so the that whole like but, oh he was into satan and he ran and that, away that still went satan on tempted him like that, that was all went on. that was the main mm-hmm. story takeaway and mm-hmm. that's
0: still the main story takeaway so everyone that knows this story, they think of it, the Dungeon Dragons. They think of the Dungeons and Dragons that did this. It was nothing to do with that. It was this boy that needed help, mental health, and everyone was failing him. His mom was pressuring him too much. And it. this book actually goes in pretty deep in the pressure that students have to be the best that they can be. It's always more and more pressure— Better, better grades, which leads to more and more drugs, or all this shit, and in the end, you know, some some kids just, you know, they can't handle it, and they end up taking their lives, and that happens a lot. So,
1: well, I mean, like I said earlier, there's been a a, a shift in me- mental health since that time, but it's still mm-hmm. still not where it needs to be. Um, there is some good news though; um, states are. Are starting to pass a law that you can um, just dial. I think it's 211. I thought it was 988. 988, one of those numbers. Um, but maybe I'm thinking of you text home to 211, and that's like a suicide prevention um, crisis number. But um, they are starting to centralize mm-hmm. the numbers where you don't have to dial the 1 800 273, whatever. 100% number. agree with that.
0: Yeah, so it says. I was wrong, of course, six days later on August 16th, a year and a day after he had disappeared, the wonderful brain no longer gave off waves, and the machines were disconnected. Mm. So I wanted to dedicate this story to Dallas because you've never been, you know, given... When I read this book, it was... It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Because the book is really good because the whole time you think he's being held captive, you think he's you know, being sold for either sex or he's making drugs, or you know all this stuff about the notes not written in his handwriting, and and the room was clean. Actually, one of his friends is the one that straightened up the room as like a memorial for him or whatever. I mean, it was just like all this stuff, and then you know you thought he was in the tunnels, but he wasn't, and then he just shows up, and then you realize that the media has said nothing about. They have said nothing important about the case. All they have talked about is Dungeons and Dragons and Satanism and all kinds of demons and devils and all shit shit that doesn't matter. And even after he killed himself, that's still what they talked about. And it's just sad because there was a big issue there, and they could have really did the right thing and made light about the real issue. And I think this book really does. I I really, If you you read this book, I really think it— it puts light on the real issue, which is the mental health of this kid. So I don't know. But that's my story. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our demon, go to slash join, become a talker primo, get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love, shout it out all over the place, tell me what story. You want me to do? I'll research it, dedicate to you on Talk More Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole, and it's twenty (laughs) twenty. (laughs) Woo! My New Year's resolution is to be nice to Jen all year for a week,
1: (laughs) babe. I know you guys are really upset because christmas is over and we don't get to do the 12 shots of christmas anymore
0: thank uh, jesus christ that was like the worst we'll segment that ever for next year that was worse than jen versus nicole segment
1: <laughs> i love that segment that was like one of my favorite segments especially when you put the music on i know you were being really satirical but i actually loved it that's the oh, i know
0: this is the guy <laughs> Look at This is a guy He's got like a machine his, gun like, In his Tommy hand Tommy gun <laughs> My goodness. He's got a Tommy gun
1: This guy is literally A villain from the 1920s <laughs> <laughs> Man You're gonna lay On the train tracks And we're gonna keep you there You're gonna tie her To the train tracks And Bill you're Deere. gonna stay there No 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 It's not the same Otherwise it's just A couple No cause together. every time We do
0: a podcast Episode without you Jen I get all these emails Where's Jen Oh your fan I club I you I'll it's show true. you some Of the fan club emails Remember there
2: was some kind. So we're like, where's Jen? You know, like, yeah. I
0: didn't
1: see those comments.
0: That's because we don't show them to you.
1: Well, they were there was at least some when we were like Jen's back. They were like, Yay, Jen! We missed you. I saw one comment. So from Abby, shout out Abby. Thanks
0: for my that's comment. That's right. I only sex people.
1: You don't sex me. I remember when we first
2: met. You had sent me like a selfie of yourself working out in the gym. You're like, send me one of you. I want to see and that I, <laughs> I, I want to see like, that picture. And I was like. And I was like I don't do that. I'm like,
0: (laughs) send me that push. (laughs) But Uh, but it was like him working out. It was was like just his face. Exactly.
1: Jen, I'm sorry. What are you texting? You told her she could.
0: Yeah, like not to have a full-on conversation.